you have your Bibles with you, I'll have you turned with me to Luke chapter 15. I think there was some great irony when he called me the prodigal, and that's what I'm preaching on this evening. <laughs> you know, happenstance, you know, happens in the house of the Lord all the time. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to get to the prodigal in just a minute, but uh, I'm going to read the passage before that. So if you don't mind standing with me as we read the first portion there. Uh, Luke chapter 15. The Bible says this. Then drew near unto him, Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Uh, Yeah, amen. Thank you. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repenteth. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. All right, go ahead and bow your heads in prayer with me. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I'm thankful, I'm so thankful to be here even tonight. I'm so honored to, to be able to preach in, in the church that I grew up in. Lord, just praise you for that. I pray that you would just bless this time here. I pray that you just order my mouth and let, let only, only your, your words come through it, Lord. I pray that I say nothing more than what's required of you and nothing less. Lord, I pray that you would just truly bless this time, open the ears and the hearts of everyone here. I love you, Father. Thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory uh, from me. Is This is the church that I grew up in. <laughs> um, I had an opportunity to start attending church when, when I was only 10 years old. And if you hear my salvation testimony, any, uh, which I'll share a little bit more later in the sermon, of course. I always bring it back to that. This, yeah. Changed my life, after all. Uh, I started going when I was 10, and I, I, I noticed the love that Eastside Baptist Church had. Man. And that they cared about me, and they, you, <laughs> you just poured it and invested it in me. And I'm so thankful, so very thankful. Yeah. And I kept going. I got saved when I was 14. Uh, just many people investing and helping me make that, that, that change in my mind, realizing Man, I need Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, That made the difference. Uh, I'm thankful for uh, all of your involvement. Even though you weren't here yet, you're still Eastside Baptist Church. (laughs) So uh, some of you, at least, uh, weren't here yet. Uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for for that. Um, Right now, uh, I just uh, happen to be serving the Lord in Odenton, Maryland. And uh, Pastor Jet, he, he mentioned that. Uh, a little bit. My primary uh, task is I, I help Pastor Lacombe in the finance office. Uh, that's, that's my main goal is to uh, protect that, <laughs> the finances of the church. Uh, I, I like to tell people is I, I don't do a lot of the spending of the money. I, I, wa- I watch it come and I watch it go, a lot more go, and no, I'm just kidding. 
and I, I just record everything that happens. Uh, that's the majority of my job. I, I do have an opportunity to teach sixth graders Bible. And I don't know what's more crazy, the, the sixth graders or me. It depends on the moment. Yeah. Um, but I have opportunity to just uh, labor day, day after day during the school year and uh, speak to what seems to be a wall sometimes. But uh, just speak to them and share with them God's word. And it, this year is kind of unique where I'm teaching about biblical worldviews and uh, that people have different worldviews. And it's good to look through their point of view and to see where there's errors and that you're able to, to, to show them, hey, you should try on this worldview. This is uh, much superior <laughs> uh, for a reason. So I'm, I'm blessed to have that opportunity. Um, there's a couple other ministry things that I have opportunity to do that at Odenton Baptist Church, but I, I tell you all this to let you know that your investment, it, it's, it's going. <laughs> it, it, it's growing. Uh, I'm, I'm still, still serving the Lord. And coming here, seeing so much growth in, in, in the amount of numbers, but even, even in the people individually, it, it fills me with just great joy. Uh, uh, just seeing different people that uh, are here now that are still faithful yes. just fills me with just great joy. And I, I pray that you seeing me still serving the Lord, even uh, way in a foreign land, Odenton, Maryland, uh, I, yeah. I, I pray that, that that encourages you that I'm staying faithful. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the text. Uh, to borrow a brother Phil Evertism, you know, uh, he, he would say, as he taught junior church, hey, I'll get you out by the time Walmart closes. So, but my goal at least is get you out before Culver's closes, okay? <laughs> uh, something that I've come to this conclusion as I've studied scripture and as I've studied people is this. The people who look like they need Jesus the most often are the people that need Jesus the most. <laughs> Very deep, right? <laughs> uh, I have opportunity at Odenton Baptist Church. We, we go to a rescue mission in Baltimore. And uh, I see the people that are just down in life. Uh, about once a month, uh, well, it is once a month, I, I go there um, with a bunch of group of guys. We get to minister to them. I, I somehow play the piano. That, that's weird. Um, it, it's, it's not really good. It's out of tune. So nobody can really tell when I mess up. <laughs> but... I have opportunity to do that. I have opportunity to preach to them oftentimes. But it, it, it hurts your heart to see people in that condition. And in that, you know, the Lord just really has started to direct me to, to speak to them more individually. And there's one, one person in particular, if you think of him um, just during your prayer times, pray for this man. His name is Earl. And I, I look forward to going to the rescue mission so I, I can seek him out and talk to him and encourage him. And the last time I, I was able to go is I, I sought him out. And I, I picked him out in the crowd. Normally he sat in the front, but he was in the back that time. And I saw him. I'm like, yes, I'm going to go talk to him. And I talked to him. I called him by name. And you would not believe the smile that he had on his face. Uh, I remembered him. I, I chose out of the crowd and picked him. And he, he, was, he was joyful in that. And just the conversation beyond, it didn't go too much more. But I'm looking forward to, to continuing to help him in that and to encourage him. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. There's one of the ministries that you get to be involved in, and I pray that's a help to you. In the text today, uh, Jesus dealt with people just like that man I, I, I described, Earl, uh, homeless, poor. Uh, even in this passage, he, uh, Luke, the author, he labels them as the publicans and the sinners. Now, to explain publicans to you a little bit more, um, 
the, the, tax, collect, the tax collectors, but even this, the, the extortioners. That, that they would go and they would demand the taxes uh, of somebody. And uh, Brother Sam specifically requested that I come preach to these guys for some reason. So, they, and uh, Brother Andrew up there said, make sure that you run back and forth so that the camera has to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good time. I, I love you all. <laughs> but the, the tax collectors would be very much, all right, you owe uh, $100. And you're like, uh, I don't think it was $100. And Oh, because you were deciding to talk back, you actually owe $150. That's rough, buddy. And you're like, I don't think I can afford that. Well, actually, it's $175 now, so you better cough that up somewhere. And I have a big old beefy guy over here that will come make it work. So the extortioners, they're not well liked for some reason. <laughs> no, it's not for some reason. We know. <laughs> but then you have the, the second group of people, the sinners. The people that are defined by sin is how I look at that. It, to be light with you, the, the people of the night, the, the people that have ruined their lives, and they're in that condition. And even that they have that physical appearance of you're like, man, that person made choices. And you, you look at them like, ugh, I wouldn't be caught with him. <laughs> So Jesus, uh, Luke, he, he mentions the publicans and the sinners, and Jesus is talking to them and even receiving them. And the Pharisees take note of this, and they, they see Jesus here, the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're, this, this is broken. Because they, ha they had a different worldview, uh, not so biblical worldview of Jesus. Uh, and they're thinking, why is this very famous man talking to so infamous people. Yeah. Like, why, why? Why is this happening? Because this isn't working in my head. And I think they came to this conclusion. This guy is a fraud. He's, he's one of them. Maybe that's what the conclusion that they came to is that Jesus is just well, one of them. But in, instead of that kind of persuasion, I think the question... <laughs> Really more humbling, uh, why does a holy God <laughs> deal with unholy, lowly people? Yep. <laughs> I, I think that's a more valuable question that we could ask in our Christian uh, worldview. It's because he loves them. And, and he seeks for them to be restored. Yep. Uh, that's the reason there. And praise the Lord. As, as the gentleman uh, cried out, amen, as I read that Jesus receiveth sinners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we've written songs about that. <laughs> Praise the Lord that he does. And in, in almost Jesus' fashion, as he typically does, he, he kindly addresses them and relates to their specific understanding. And I almost envision that he, he comes and he just sits down and, and just reasons with them. Um, okay, well, let's, let's talk about this. What manner of man, let, let me read you the text so I, I don't stray away. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. 
And he, he paints this picture to just really relate to them. And if I can, well, let me go ahead and just kind of draw that picture out for you. Uh, just uh, think of like a, a Hebrew man, a shepherd, and that he has all his vast sheep, he counted them a hundred. And in that particular night or, or day, whenever he decided to count his sheep, um, which is dangerous, he might fall asleep, you know. But as he counts his sheep, he gets to the 98, 99, oh, I miscounted. And then he starts again, and he gets it all the way, and then now the alarms are going off in his mind. I didn't miscount. Number 100 is gone. And I just kind of tried to reason myself, because I have never once been a shepherd, nor have I really desired to be a shepherd of sheep. I was like, why, why does it matter so much that one would go astray? I mean, it's, it's only just one sheep. It's on, only one little dude. So I, I'm thinking through what are some logical things. And me as a finance guy, uh, I came to this conclusion. 100 is much better than 99. <laughs> it just, I, I just came to that conclusion. Like, oh, think about it, kids. Uh, you, you guys are so excited when you turn double digits. <laughs> that you're, you're like, Yes, I cannot wait till I'm 10. But there's not such a big celebration when you turn 11. It's kind of boring. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> but that 9 to 10 graduation, yes, that's awesome. And I, I thought about the, the older people. Uh, I don't think, do we have any 100-year-olds in here? Any, anybody? No? Okay. Uh, no, no kids raise their hands either, so praise the Lord. <laughs> it, it, it's exciting. Like, wow, 99 is pretty awesome. But 100, like, that, that's, that's great. That's fantastic. I, just, I was just thinking like that, that you seeing the digit shift in your bank account. Like, it, <laughs> like it used to be only this small, but now it's, now it's, now it's something. Just one, $1 makes the difference there. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's value in that one, in that singular. And, and I thought about this. And so it would be kind of awkward for the shepherd to say, yep, I have 99 sheep. And the question that forms naturally is, why don't you have 100 now, if he said 101 sheep, it, they, they don't ask why you have 100. It's like, oh, 101, 101 Dalmatians, that's cool. Like, <laughs> they, don't, they don't think anything about it, but that, that milestone, it, it's something there. So I, I, was, I was just kind of reasoning there. That's, sorry, my, my finance plague. But then also the thought, again, finance again, um, that sheep will get him some kind of monetary gain. Yeah. Uh, there's a purpose in owning sheep, and it's not because he wanted a hobby. <laughs> He's doing this for, for work. And with that loss, he really just loses out. Maybe it's on his pride uh, that he can't say that he has 100 sheep anymore. And he just ultimately just loses out of the finance. I, I thought also, uh, there was one more thing that was conveniently in my notes, so let me tell you it. Um, it wasn't actually in my notes. There was value in one sheep. That's what I was trying to tell you. <laughs> There's that value there. And then also the reputation aspect. He, you know, he, he lost a sheep. And maybe, maybe that lowers his value as a shepherd. That he, he's, he's not as good as he could be. So I was just thinking through those, those different things. And I'm glad to share them with you. But maybe all those things are going through his mind. And that pushes him to do the task. I'm, I'm going to find this guy. And maybe, maybe it's also this that the sheep was in danger and a, a bear and a lion or something along those natures stole the sheep. 
well, what's, what makes him think, well, he, if he took number 100, he might take number 99. So, so he, he sees that there's danger out there, and maybe that's the conclusion he comes to. So, so he goes. He goes out there to seek the sheep. Uh, whatever his purpose is, he, he has purpose in it, and he goes out there and he, and, he, and he seeks it. And praise the Lord, in the distance he sees it, this white little puffball, and he's like, praise the Lord, I found my sheep. And he goes running after it, which I will not do, I'll spare you, brother. Um, goes running after that, retrieves the sheep, brings it back, and he's so excited. He, he has him on the shoulders, he, he's like, yes, this, this could have been a big problem. Like, I could have been fighting a lion, but it was just, he got dumb, okay? <laughs> he just wandered away. This could have been a huge problem. And he's relieved because he has a sheep. Reputation is restored. Everything is right. And he says, rejoice with me. He comes to his friends that were concerned. Like, yes, we, let's, let's have a little party here, a little, uh, just get together. Let's go to Culver's, Okay. So rejoice for me, uh, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. In verse 7, Jesus compares it, as he does in all, all his parables, compares something earthly to something heavenly so we can have better understanding. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Notice the man doesn't re have rejoicing or he's not hosting a party because of that 99 sheep that he left with somebody else. He's hosting the party because of the one sheep that he found. There, there, there's much rejoicing in that one sheep that was found. That, that tipped the scales back to 100. And Jesus is saying, hey, in heaven, when one sinner gets right with God, there is much rejoicing in heaven. I, I, I cannot wait to see that. I, I don't get to see that today. I lead some, somebody to the Lord, and I, I'm excited for them, but I, it does not pale in comparison to what is going on in heaven. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited to be on the other side of things and, and, and to see that. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Jesus, he does point out something here, and he, he actually does a comparison here between the, the 99, the just ones that didn't need to be restored versus the, the one that he needed to go find. There's a comparison there. And I think with that he's talking to Pharisees and with the scribes, there's kind of an understanding that the Pharisees, they have their own righteousness, their, their, their own justice. And that it's an underlying cut to them that, hey, there's rejoicing in heaven for that sinner that repenteth, one of them, versus 99 self-righteous people. Uh, that's, uh, that's at least the underlying cut that I see here. But also this aspect of, let, let, me, let me lean into another illustration. A healthy person doesn't need medicine. That, that's what's going through their mind is I, I, I don't need to see a doctor because I'm not sick, to put it in, in some of our terms, an equivalent. I, I don't need Jesus because there's nothing wrong with me. And can I, let me just spend a moment and lean into that illustration here. I, I had asked my mom so, to borrow some uh, cough syrup. This is hy flavored cough syrup, okay? <laughs> and if I could uh, actually use Pastor Jetta as an example, you know, to avenge the innocent, uh, <laughs> the other uh, object lesson people that come up and help Pastor Jet, uh, you know, 
He didn't see this coming. Can I borrow you for just a second? I just want you to stand up because I'm going to try to convince you to drink this cough syrup, okay? Um, brother, <laughs> how's your temperature feeling right now? Great. Okay. Well, this can lower it. And he's like, it's already great. I, I don't need it. Okay. How, how is uh, your, your coughing right now? Very clear. No, none of it. Are you telling me you don't want something that, that can, you know, inhibit part of your brain to suppress your cough? That's what some of them do. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. You, your brain function's good. You don't need anything to change there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah, yeah, brain yeah. function is fine. So. <laughs> so he doesn't believe that he needs it because really he doesn't need, this is actually water, to tell you the truth. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't need the medicine. Um, but if I came up here and he was having a coughing fit or a theoretical sneeze fit, um, if I came up here and I tried to offer something that would help his condition, he'd be like, yeah, actually that'd be very useful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank you. you. You can be seated. Thank you. <laughs> so how does it feel, Pastor Jet? Oftentimes, our witnessing looks just that awkward. <laughs> we go to tell people, you need Jesus. And they're like, why? Yeah. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, that's, that's why. Everybody, everybody misses the mark, even the self-righteous Pharisees. So that, that, was, that was one of the problems I had when I was uh, in the process of getting saved. <laughs> Uh, Ten years old, I heard the gospel. It was, it was clear as day from uh, Brother Dana Maurer. I, I'm so thankful. He shared the gospel with me that, that day that I came to church. And um, truth be told, I, I, at the end, we were doing the, the invitation. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm like 80% sure that Ryan pushed me out to go into the, the room. But I, I don't know. It could have been the Holy Spirit for all I know. Um, but I, I went out, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to go into the, this back room at uh, 101 uh, North Sycamore in the basement. I guess I'm supposed to go back here. That's what I'm supposed to do. So I go into that room, and my, my sister's there. Um, somebody else was there, I think, too, and Brother, Brother Maurer. And he just goes, went through the gospel very, very clearly. Okay, yeah. Jesus Christ, he's Lord. Yeah, I agree. That, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he died on the cross. Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes absolute sense. Awesome. But for me, and what? Like, nah, I, I'm pretty good. Like, so in my carnal, carnal mind, I'm thinking, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm doing pretty good in school. I, I, I'm not currently in jail. I'm 10. I'm, I'm not doing too bad. But it wasn't until... Four years later, I kept that in the back of my, my mind, but four years later, I, I started to evaluate and uh, started to think through, you know what, I had a standard of righteousness, and if I were to look at my, 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 my past actions, what I've recently done, I, I fall short of my own standard of righteousness, yeah. that uh, <laughs> sin, sin, and, and other sin, lying, stealing, uh, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm not making it. And I, I, I figured this out at church. God just gave it to me at church. It, it finally connected. And I'm, I'm man, I'm, I'm in trouble. Because if I were to die right now, as the preacher's preaching, if I were to die, if I were to die right now, it's not going to turn out well. I'm going to spend an eternity in hell. Wow. And 
<laughs> I had a little bit of the problem in the passage of I carried a little bit too much of what people thought. And, uh, man, I, I don't, I don't want to go forward. And I, I think that time, um, a couple different people, Ryan was in the youth group, uh, uh, Hannah Joraplin, uh, Cassie was in, the, in the, the youth group. And I'm thinking, what are these people going to think about me? If I go forward, they're going to think that I'm lying to them. I was lying to them. I wasn't saved. They're going to think uh, all of these things. Oh, no. I, I can't do this here. I, I just can't. The Holy Spirit just kept pressing. He kept pressing. And it was, it was an odd day, especially uh, my, my mom had, was, uh, as I remember it, my mom was driving us home that day. I was 14. And I, I was like, Mom, we need to go home. We need to go home now. Because I, I knew there was a safe zone. If I can get to my bedside, I can be all alone. I can, I can do business with God here. Um, Mom, we just need to go home. And she was probably a little confused. And as I remember it, or as I embellish the story more and more, um, this was the one and only time she ever asked, hey, you guys want to get ice cream tonight? And my response was no. <laughs> the only time I remember this happening. And she was like, okay. And the ride home, which... It took way longer than I thought it ever should. Um, it's just weird how the Holy Spirit, you know, just works that out. <laughs> um, th there's only one stoplight from uh, 101 Sycamore to where I was living at the time. Somehow mom made it into three stoplights. <laughs> I have no idea. And every single time I, we went to get to that, the red light and we started to slow and I'm panicking and I, I don't know if I was showing my cards at all to, to the passengers in the vehicle. And I, I, I'm freaking out uh, internally. The brakes are going to fail. We're going to go right through the intersection. We're going to die and go to hell. Because it was real. And that's legitimately what would have happened. Because I was not saved. Somehow, by the grace of God, we did get home. And I, I ditched everything by parents. And I just ran to the house. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Get, like, bust open the door. I, I don't know. Uh, somehow I got in. And it wasn't through a window, so I don't know how. I, I went in, went to my bedside, and just asked Jesus to save me. Amen. Simple. It, it, it was no elaborate prayer, nothing, nothing advanced at all. Uh, Lord, I am dirty, rotten sinner. Please save me from my sin. And in that moment, I, I passed from death to life. Amen. And he did, he did a marvelous change within me. In other words, I took the medicine. I, I received him, and I was, I was found. Good. I was found. Hey, if you're not found already, if you're not saved, you can be. Uh, there's not going to be somebody up here like, oh, this guy. I cannot believe he didn't get saved sooner. We're going to be rejoicing with you. Um, or else we're Pharisees. <laughs> or else we're Pharisees. You know, I was doing kind of a study on the Greek word of repentance, and I figured after Sunday school this morning that I, I, Brother, Brother Viss uh, revealed to me that Carter would appreciate uh, a Greek word. Um, it was repentance, metanoia. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know. I, I figured you'd appreciate it. That meta means after, okay? So, like, afterthought. So, repentance really is that you sit down and you look and you think of, wow, my past actions... They were bad. <laughs> I have changed my mind on this. Yeah. Like, th this, was, this was awful. I did not meet my standard. Yeah, this is bad. <laughs> I have consequences. You just have that, that thought. So just for you, Carter, you're welcome. 
you know, he, he goes on very lovingly in a second parable. And he, he goes on for a, another example, just because he knows how dense the Pharisees are. Um, really, when you are a Pharisee, you're very dense. It, it just, it, it's just the reality of it. I, I'm sorry for calling you out if that's what you are. It's just, that, that's the reality of it. I, I don't need to change 99 just people. <laughs> I need no repentance. No afterthought. Well, he, he goes into this idea, uh, verse number eight, either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if you lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. Um, so there's, in the study portion uh, that a preacher does, he, he looks and he sees different, different scenarios and different thoughts. And it's actually disagreed on what this silver thing is. So one, part, one side of it is it's just 10 pieces of silver. But another side of it, thinks, uh, they think it's, it's a, a piece of like a, a necklace and they have 10 distinct uh, pieces uh, of silver to this necklace. So I'm just going to present to you uh, the two possibilities, but it's gonna, I'm going to bring it back together because the conclusion is the same regardless. So I just want to be true to the text, true to what other people thought of the passage. So uh, think about it, that, that 10 pieces of silver, that piece of jewelry, it, it would be valuable It'd be something that the lady would wear. And I, I, I just imagine it in this, this case that she went to a friend's house or something wearing this piece of uh, jewelry. And her friend's like, oh, no, you're missing that. Oh, oh, no. So she spends a moment searching her friend's house. It's not there. It, maybe it's at home. It, and she panics a little bit because uh, 10 is just not as good as 9. <laughs> there's, a, there's a giant hole here where that piece should be. And it's just not as good. I, I don't have the whole set complete. It, it, it's just, I'm going to have to retire this piece of jewelry. Because it, 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 was, it was good, but now it's not. So she goes home and figure, uh, searches for it. And just great joy when she finds it. But then the, the, other, the other side of that, that 10 pieces of silver, imagine she, would, she was saving up for something very valuable. And it was time to go spend it. And she, before she leaves the house, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine. Oh, no. Uh, I've lost it. She cannot get what she was valuing because she lost it. Yeah. Something that was very important to her, she couldn't get it because it was gone. She couldn't replace it easily. So truth be told, if I see a penny on the ground, I just ignore it. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, there's no easy way to get that little thing into my bank account. There's just no easy way. Uh, if I see a nickel on the ground, I'm still kind of a dime. Uh, I think I'll just leave it there. If I see a quarter, though, I know I can go spend it on an Aldi shopping cart, okay? <laughs> There's value in that. There's value. She, she was looking for it because she knew how valuable it was. So she went and she swept. And, and I feel like this is just a great picture of what Jesus Christ did for us that he wasn't afraid to go look in the dirt and in the filth for somebody like you and I. Right. He wasn't afraid to, to sweep it up and to, to reveal you. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you. <laughs> and he says this, uh, verse 10, and this is actually the verse that really sparked uh, why I was preaching this to you. Uh, Pastor Jet texted me, and within seconds, God just gave me this verse right to my mind. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking overall, you, 
you're here on, on this earth when we're serving God and we have opportunity to share the gospel. And we get to be in part of this grand increase that, that God provides, that some water, some plant, but we get to be a part of this increase that, that people get saved as a result of some effort that we put way over here that God has blessed. But oftentimes, the problem is we don't put the effort in. Yeah, true. Uh, that Saturday visitation or um, whatever visitation night you might, might have, that you don't go. You don't get to be a part of the increase. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about e- even, even prayer. That, that um, I went to Ryan's ordination and uh, there was a, a, a parent of a pastor friend, and I forget the name off the top of my head, but I remember Mrs. Austin um, just really rejoicing that the, this pastor was able to do this. And she's like, I've been praying for him. And she's like, I'm so excited. I've been praying for him this whole time. And I couldn't rejoice in, in, in that aspect of it. I can rejoice in the end result. But in that aspect, I wasn't praying for them. I, I don't know him personally. I, I couldn't share that uh, immense joy that she held, had because she invested. In the gospel and people getting saved. You must, you must invest. Amen. You must. Show up to visitation. <laughs> uh, it's very simple. <laughs> um, it, it, the passage continues on, and this is, this is where it starts to direct a little bit more to the Pharisees. Because it, he's been sharing some general truths and, and really, uh, you know, hey, you're, you're not getting the, the heavenly picture. But now he's turning it to the prodigal son. And... Uh, I think many of you know this passage, so I'm just going to read through it and make some comments and really dwell at some of the end page, uh, things, okay? And then, um, Lord willing, call resistant close, okay? Verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous livings. And he's got the tattoos to prove it. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he forsook everything, and he he sent him into his fields to, to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks of the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He was in a place that he couldn't even beg for money, is, is what's that pointing out. And he was being jealous over the pigs, the, the nasty pigs that the Jewish man here would have despised to work with. Um, he has that inner part of shame. I can't believe I'm doing this. But verse 17, he had some afterthought. And when he came to himself, he said... How many hired servants of my father's had bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, no priority, and am no more worthy to be called thy son, and make me as one of thy hired servants. Lord, if you just, and Father, if you just accept me as just, just a, a little peon in your company, I'll be, I'll be satisfied here. And he arose and he came to his father, but while he was yet a great way off, praise the Lord, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. What a great picture of what Jesus Christ has done to you 
uh, as, a, as a poor sinner uh, coming to, to him, that he sees a great way off and he meets you there. Amen. Verse 21, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Notice this reality. For, my, for this my son was dead and is alive again. Amen. He was lost and is found and he began to be merry. Amen. Now here comes the, the problem of the passage, uh, that, the parable here. Verse 25. Now his elder son almost as if he was a Pharisee. Almost, and now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. He's like, oh, there's a party? I, I didn't know. Why, why wasn't I not invited? What's going on here? And he called one of his servants and asked, well, what, what are these things meant? And he said unto him, thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fattest calf, the fattest calf because he hath received him safe and sound. I love that he used the word received again because that was the problem with the Pharisees, uh, that Jesus was receiving sinners. He, uh, again, received him safe and sound. Verse 28. This was the result uh, of someone's brother being restored. And he was angry. What? <laughs> and he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his, came his father out and entreated him. I, I love that the father was like, I don't know what this guy's deal is. I'm going to go talk to him. <laughs> but, man... Angry that somebody got restored. Wow. Verse 29. And he answering said unto his father, I almost imagine a full-grown man throwing a fit. Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. I have followed everything you said to your letter, and even some additional ones the Pharisees added on. And yet thou never gaveth me a kid I have, that I might make merry with my friends. You've never thrown a party for me. Come on. Verse 30. But as soon as this thy son, it's not even my brother, thy son. Man, that's, I think that's the source of the problem. Is that we, we don't relate to sinners. We, we refuse to relate with the tattooed guy. That we look at him and we say, no, not that person. I can't share the gospel with that person. And then, then we even have those reasons in, in our minds. He's never, he's not going to believe. Like, there, there's, there's no way that he will do that. Or maybe it's not even, <laughs> sharing the gospel isn't even the first for, the thought of your mind. You know, the, the Holy Spirit shaking you like, go do that. And that's not there. It's rather, that guy made choices. Oof. Uh, that phrase that I said at the beginning, people that look like they need Jesus the most, often are the people that need Jesus the most. The, that means go to that tattooed guy. Go to those earls at, at a rescue mission and share the gospel with them because they need Jesus the most. We should never have a divide. This, he's being so divisive. He's one brother. Are we not brothers with all people, all from Adam and even closer Noah? Are, are we not? Uh, they're, they're just our long-lost relative. And that, that means we need to go. And, and we need to share the gospel with them. Uh, they are your brother. They are your sister, after all. Uh, I just saw Brother Doug over here. Those prison ministry people. How many of you helped him in the prison ministry? 
Do, do you have more, more, can you accept more people in from the Church of Hope, Brother Doug? Or is it kind of, yeah, he said he could use some help. Uh, I saw Brother Juan, we were talking about the college and career. Uh, he's going to different colleges to, to, to share the gospel. I think he could use some help. Um, Saturday, I, I think you guys do visitation. The bus, uh, somebody was saying something about a bus captain needing to step up. People that need the gospel. I'm making it very practical, very, very easy, uh, open shut case here. Just, just go for it. Go and tell. Yeah, that's, that's the idea of it. Because the people that need Jesus the most, <laughs> they need to hear. Uh, how, how, did, how is it that uh, Paul put it? I, I bookmarked it. I got you. Um, verse 13 of Romans chapter 10, 10 says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be said, saved. If, if they're a living, breathing person, that's a whosoever. They can call upon the name of the Lord. They have the capacity to believe. Uh, verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Pick me. Yeah, yeah. Go. Go do that. <laughs> Please. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and let's pray.